0: I'm ready for a nap.
1: Why are you tired? You're you're a morning person. I'm
0: not a. Mo- in what world do you think I'm a morning person?
1: I thought you were a morning person.
0: I'm neither a morning nor an evening person. I'm
1: you're, you're a in bed all day person. <laughs> I,
0: I'm more an evening a night person than a what's it called like a night owl versus morning person. I'm 100% more a hundred percent more night owl. It's just oh. I know not like you like compared to you no, but compared to normal people yes.
1: You know nobody's a night owl compared to me. I know. Yeah, I'm up early today, yeah. Did
0: you clean your hair? Did you wet your hair? Because you don't look as disheveled as you promised. I you did,
1: look. I I did. And, you know, wearing these headphones kind of covers up how ridiculous I look right now. That's
0: disappointing. I looked forward to seeing oh my God. some intense dishevelment. Yeah.
1: Dishevelment? Is that a word? I don't know. <laughs> no, I was up really late, actually. Why is that? Working on editing the last podcast episode we did. Oh,
0: have you slept? Like, did you sleep since yesterday?
1: I fell asleep, like, in my clothes from last night. like just passed out Ew. and then woke up and did some more editing.
0: That's unhealthy. Like, when I say I'm tired, it's like, I only slept seven hours and I need two more. Like, <laughs> <laughs> when you're tired, it's like, I slept for 35 minutes in my clothes. I
1: did sleep a number of hours. I just, maybe not a full night. sleep. Like, eight sleep. to ten?
0: You need eight to ten. Uh. One night last week, I... <laughs> went to bed at like a normal time. I think it was like 11, maybe 12. And I didn't set an alarm cuz I was like, mm, "I'll wake up, like, I usually wake up around 9 or so." And I had an appointment at 12:40 to get my booster shot. And I guess I had like a really, really good sleep. And I wake up and like the cat's curled up at my feet, and I look at the time and I'm like, "12. Something's wrong with my clock." And I look at my phone and it says 12, and I'm like, "Oh, that that happened." So I slept for like 12 hours.
1: You had a sleep debt,
0: I guess. Felt good after that.
1: I like how that's a whole story. Like you slept two hours longer than normal. Three. Oh, my bad. Jesus,
0: Josh. <laughs> yeah, kind of two though. <laughs> You're not that wrong. Okay, maybe it wasn't a whole story. Maybe you can cut that out.
1: No, that's great. I like it. Whatever. That's a really Some intense, dramatic Aya story.
0: I, hate you so I much slept right two
1: hours I'm more than asshole. I normally did oh, one day.
0: Man, I think for most people, sleeping a weird amount Sleeping for 12 hours is not normal.
1: It depends on the person. I have learned that like different people have different sleep requirements. It's just a thing. Some people can sleep like six hours, five hours. They're fine. Yeah, Other I'm, people, no, I'm not.
0: That's like know? five, six hours. I w- I'd be like, I feel I hate everybody and I can't be here right now. I go back to sleep.
1: I'll tell you this. It's getting harder as I get older, but we've talked about sleep before. Yeah. So. Is that the topic
0: of this uh, week's podcast?
1: I don't think so. No, it's not. You tell me what's going on.
0: Well... You know, last week when we were talking about your writing retreat, it kind of got me thinking and I felt like, oh, I kind of want to ask Josh about that writing retreat, but that's not the topic this week. So welcome back to Adulthood Friends. This is the discussion-based podcast where two former childhood acquaintances, now friends, discuss the things that- Adverbia? Dishevely matter.
1: No, this time, this definitely isn't an adverb.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Poopily. Nope fluffily okay the things that fluffily matter
1: fluffily that's your adverb of the week
0: i was just looking at my cat when i thought of that adverb and i'm aya i'm josh (laughs) and this is episode 34
1: 34
0: yeah of adulthood friends and today we're going to be talking about writing writing that's right
1: that's right like w-r-i-t no i
0: was waiting for you to make that joke yeah no (laughs) that's r-i-g-h-t
1: Oh, okay.
0: W-R-I-T-I-N-G So why does anyone write? What kinds of tools, techniques, or environments do you use to write? Cool. And that's basically what we'll talk about. So uh, should we get into it?
1: Let's get into it, Aya.
0: Is your next sore or something? Yeah. And we're back
1: it's so good to be back and you have to forgive me for
0: saying that every time or
1: no i'm gonna say that no definitely that doesn't require any forgiveness (laughs) it's so good to be back it is good to be back every time well it's good to be back every time
0: every time we're never back you know that every time we sit here we say let's get into it and then we go
1: oh i'm sorry if we're never back then why are you welcoming us i'm welcoming
0: the the listener (laughs) you're not back listeners back
1: I'm listening to you
0: (laughs) I'm listening to you okay I'm listening (laughs)
1: listening. you'll have to forgive me if I do weird things with my head and neck because of how I slept I slept weird on it now I can't really look to the right
0: Mm. I'm sorry you're not forgiven but uh Mm -hmm. I I will note that you asked for forgiveness
1: so not only am I suffering you're not (laughs) forgiving me either I got it (laughs) <laughs> exactly right
0: my neck hurts too i'm not you don't see me oh really gorming around
1: yeah okay you're one of those people i get it i'm <laughs> suffering so you should too i got it <laughs>
0: yeah exactly
1: you don't even complain because i'm not complaining mm-hmm.
0: yeah what gives you no i'm sure your neck really hurts and i'm sorry i i empathize with your plight no that's cool i also have a sore tooth if we're complaining about things <laughs> I think I needed a root canal. (laughs) 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 We should get Dan Botner.
1: Yeah, my back is a little...
0: (laughs) All right. Okay. Tone it Uh. (laughs) down. So today we're talking about writing, not physical ailments.
1: Unless we're writing about physical ailments.
0: Unless we're writing, which I mean, no judgment there. Let's start with something fun. Josh, do you think writing is more of a career or a hobby? Or is
1: that too intense to start? It's not intense. It's just... I think everyone knows the answer.
0: What? Why? What's the answer?
1: Um, it could be both.
0: Oh, yeah. But would you prefer it as a career? Or as oh, a you're lobby?
1: asking me. Like, what do I Yeah, prefer?
0: you personally. Yeah.
1: Well, as you may or may not know, I'm a writer director. Oh. Yeah. That's how I define myself, you know, by trade. Do
0: you have another job? Right now? Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, writing and directing actually is a job for me. I have done and I do other things here and there. You know, I delivered food for a long while. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I do clinical trials. Oh,
0: God. So this wasn't a judgment. It's more a question of like, you've kind of committed to that as as your job. Yes. You know, whether it's making money yet or not. Yes,
1: I've committed to being a starving artist.
0: Okay, great. You don't look too starved.
1: Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That was
0: so mean. (laughs) This is me on seven hours sleep. I need that extra too. Oh my God.
1: (laughs) Which, by the way, you're a starving artist when you want to write like in America or North America, but Mm -hmm. there are certain countries where they actually value the arts. Mm -hmm. So there, it's not like you have to suffer in order to do it because society actually values it and they help you do that if that's what you want to do. Mm -hmm. But here, yeah, it's something you have to struggle to do as a career. Mm -hmm. By the way, we should mention, we did dive into this topic to a degree Way back, I think in episode four,
0: episode four a little bit, and I think it was episode
1: well, self-expression,
0: like twelve or something,
1: inspiration. We we did
0: self-expression. We also did inspiration. Yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah, so you know, check those out if you guys want. We're gonna dive probably a little deeper into specifically writing. Yes, yeah. Episode right, because for both of us, writing is is a passion, something that matters to both of us. Whether it's you know, I want to do it more as a career, and whether you. Well, you'll say how you want writing to be in your life, but we should also bring up again, the fact that you and I both
0: oh, yeah. shared,
1: we shared a creative writing class together in high school. We
0: did. Yeah. Grade, so, what grade was it? I think it was grade 12. Grade 12. Yeah. Yeah. We had a grade 12 creative writing class together. And I actually, I remember your short story about a woman who was like in a company breaking the you know metaphorical glass ceiling, but she ends it up- It was
1: called glass ceiling. It was
0: called glass ceiling. Yeah. But she also ends up like under it's
1: literally she was literally bit, yeah breaking a glass ceiling it was like a literal visualization of yeah. the idea of breaking the glass ceiling yeah. I
0: remember thinking man this guy thinks he's real clever doesn't he and it <laughs> was clever. it was clever yeah. I
1: don't know it was uh that's yeah, very it was clever
0: a- that's clever for an adult let alone a 12 or sorry 17 <laughs> 18 year old, however old we were
1: <laughs> suddenly like you're like wait we might have been 18 years old I
0: meant grade 12 but then I, yeah
1: I don't know it was it actually dealt with a social issue which I probably hadn't done a lot of writing about at that time
0: did you do a lot of writing even before that
1: personally so yeah prior to that class where you and I connected on that but prior to that yeah I was always writing stuff um I wrote short stories since I was like very little Hmm. it was always like a really it was a very significant form of expression for me Hmm. I wrote short stories I had written poetry and I'd written plays Back in high school.
0: Oh, right. I remember that. That
1: was actually one of the things that started to really, I started to see my passion yeah. when I wrote this play back in drama class mm-hmm. and then watching that play get performed and you know all these actors take on those roles. I thought that was exhilarating.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think you kind of answered the third part of the question, which I gave you like, is it a career or a hobby or mm. secret answer number three? Is it a vocation? And vocation is kind of a fancy word for like a calling right? Something that you feel called to something that's your passion. I mean,
1: that's not mutually exclusive with the others though.
0: No, it's not. But it sounds like a better description of how you feel about writing.
1: Yes. I, you know, I didn't used to think I used to write a lot, but I didn't used to think this is the thing. Mm. And now moving forward, it's not just the thing, right? Like I consider myself a storyteller. I like telling stories and writing is, I mean, a significant (laughs) way and method of doing that. Hmm. but writing and directing is what I like to do and, you know, tell stories in whatever way I can. But yeah, obviously writing is a huge, huge part of that. And it took me a while to realize that that was a major, major passion for me because there was always so much work involved with writing as well, that it was actually hard to, you know, this is my passion.
0: Yeah. And do you have like a favorite form of writing? Like you said, you wrote plays, you wrote poems, you wrote short stories mm. you've written screenplays do you have a favorite like if you had to pick you could only write one oh, what's it gonna be no
1: this is hard that's hard <laughs> I mean right now I guess screenplays because I make movies so if I had to pick one yeah the form that leads to me making a movie might be mm. the best but I've you know whatever the one I'm doing in the moment mm. is the most important I guess
0: there isn't one where you sit down and you're like time to write a screenplay and then you're just like mm, feels like home which one feels you know which one are you the most comfortable doing
1: I'm more comfortable writing screenplays right now because that's what I've been doing for a while. I have yet to write a novel. I've written a lot of short stories, a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about actually releasing them as a book.
0: Yeah, you might as well. I
1: have actually released, I think we talked about this before, but I have a book of poems. It's called Exploding mm-hmm. Glass Staircase, mm-hmm. which is named after one of the poems. And my friend, Natanya Zaini, who also drew our podcast mm-hmm. cover. Yeah. She did all the all the illustrations in my poetry book. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's up on Amazon. You can look it up right now, Exploding Glass Staircase. You know, that was really, really cool to get all these poems, which I wrote over the course of like 14 years Mm -hmm. out into the world. And
0: yeah, that's amazing.
1: I felt very meaningful at the time. Yeah. Yeah. But I wouldn't say like writing poetry is, that's not where I really want to be. The nice thing about poetry is that you can write a poem like in a day. Mm. in an hour in a minute In a mi- yeah in a you second. can if maybe it's a limerick or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you can write one really fast and get that feeling of completion that rewarding feeling of having finished a piece of art it's not as big as something like a screenplay or a novel but it still has its place mm. and then when you compile them they can tell a story You know, each one tells a story, but then when you put them together, they might tell even a larger story, which is really cool. That's
0: true.
1: And those also especially ask the reader or invite the reader to kind of really dive into it in their own mind and think about what it means to Mm -hmm. them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's a good, and you self-published that. Yeah. And did you ever, have you considered like sending, you said you're a short story, like you have a bunch of short stories. Have you ever considered sending poems or short stories to other publications as well?
1: I... I guess I haven't I just I've always been one of those people who kind of does stuff myself and yeah for better or worse I kind of just make it happen I never even considered like trying to send it to somebody to do it for me
0: I mean there's no re there's not necessarily a reason to it depends on why you're doing it if you're just doing it for yourself then yeah self-publishing makes the most sense
1: I always thought like yeah short stories poems I kind of I wasn't thinking oh I'm gonna write this book of poetry and make a lot of money like I don't know who wants to buy my <laughs> book of poetry
0: no it's not and I mean you're not gonna make a lot of money if you publish it in a in a journal either it's more just like to get it out there in a different way right because yeah I
1: just like making stuff I like telling stories I like creating and why I because it's my vocation (laughs) okay fine (laughs) so but let me throw the question back at you for a second because you Aya it's been interesting talking to you about writing, and this is something you and I both connected over and I think has really contributed to our growing friendship, you know, being able mm-hmm. to talk about this shared passion. Oh,
0: yeah, that's what I was going to tell you, because I, I said something really nice to you on the phone, and then I was like, oh, I should have said that on the podcast.
1: Oh. <laughs> it
0: was that, yeah, like, I think, you know, one of the reasons we picked writing for a topic today is like... I mean, it's one of the things I'm genuinely curious about when I talk to you. And it's one of the things that we really connected on when we kind of became better friends, like, oh man, I love this person. Like they know all that they they care about the same thing. And yeah, I think that was when we really like, oh yeah, this is so exciting. So yeah. um, Yeah.
1: Yeah, And I also really love talking and connecting with other writers, of course, because other storytellers, other people who understand that, yeah, it's an awesome passion but it's also kind of masochistic at times.
0: What? Why?
1: It's there's well, all these like I've written a lot
0: more than I have, so I don't know. There's
1: all these memes and jokes about it, but like writing and getting into that writing mode can be really difficult, mm. right? It can be a really taxing sort of experience, and it also sometimes involves sacrificing your time in certain ways. Maybe it feels even more like that because. It's not quite like someone hired me on to do it as a job, to write These stories, it always feels like it's replacing something else mm. I'm being asked or should be doing.
0: Right.
1: You've seen that imagery of the classic writer, right? He's all disheveled and, you know, <laughs> smoking a cigar and he's drinking. <laughs> and-
0: I was hoping to see that today on the, on the Zoom and here you are relatively well-grouped. <laughs>
1: But I should say, after this recording, I do have a writing meeting.
0: Mm, very exciting,
1: you know, with my group. But before I get into that, I want to get back to you. I want you to tell me, yeah, what is it for you? Is it a passion? Is it a vocation yeah. for you?
0: Um I don't know. I mean, I think I've written a lot less, so it's kind of hard to say what it is when I haven't really participated all that much in actually doing it. So, you know, it's kind of like, what are you talking about? You haven't done this thing, But there have been times where I've considered, like, oh, what if I spent all my time just trying to write? And I think that that is a little too, um, or pursuing it as a career. I think that's too anxiety ridden for me because, well, one, I, it would be hard to do it as something fun because it would be like, somehow my, like being able to pay my bills is going to depend on this. Like that's kind of terrifying. And I don't really, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want what I do to be dictated by.
1: To suddenly be work in that way.
0: Yeah. To suddenly be work or to be something that like, I have to. I have to do this for money. Like that seemed like if I yeah. had to do it in order to support myself, that would be, Yeah. would it still be fun?
1: Wouldn't be fun. Like for I want
0: to be able to do it for fun. I don't want to worry about like, what will publishers think? What will readers think? Yeah. Like, I think that that would make it a lot harder to write. And I mean, that's said for the yeah. person who finds it hard enough to write already, even <laughs> though when I am in it, I love it. But it takes a lot for me to get into it. It yeah. takes a lot for me to even start. I mean, I never want to do anything. So
1: I think the secret is it's that way for everybody.
0: I guess that's true. It's yeah. a
1: constant struggle. It is, and I think for some yeah. reason everybody thinks that they must be struggling more than other people with this. But I think everybody's struggling. Every writer.
0: Do you though? I don't think you do. You 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 decide yeah. you're doing something and you just do it. Like I mean, it let's be honest. Like, like this podcast would continue to not have. Like would never. It wouldn't have happened to start with, and it would continue to not happen.
1: Wouldn't have happened without you either. Like if
0: it were up to me, I would have been like, "Nah, I don't feel like doing it. And then it would stop happening like (laughs) every week, every week. I'm always like that. And I'm like, Josh wants to do it. I'm going to do it. And then I'm happy that we did it. But like, I never feel like it.
1: I mean, you say that, (laughs) but you're still doing it. So it is a struggle.
0: At first, it's like a sense of obligation. And then I do it. And then people listen and we hear feedback. And then I get excited about different topics. And it kind of yeah. like feeds into itself, but.
1: It's kind of the loop of writing though.
0: It's a loop. Yeah, exactly. So that's
1: loop. the loop I, look, I feel that struggle too, to some degree. Mm. I don't know. Everybody probably feels it to different degrees. And I've disciplined myself in certain ways to keep, that's kind of like a rule that I made for myself, you know, finish what you start. Mm. If you make a certain commitment, you know, stick to it until, unless it becomes really toxic in some way, then mm. don't.
0: Kind of a loyalty to writing.
1: Oh yeah. We talked about loyalty. A last loyalty day. to
0: finishing <laughs> things.
1: Yes. And we've talked about this before in our other episodes, but it's really important to bring up again, that excitement, that inspiration Mm -hmm. that we want. A lot of people think you need to feel it first and then you go write. Right. But the truth is sometimes you have to start writing and then the inspiration and excitement comes.
0: No, I think that's good advice.
1: And so knowing that I have to logically know that because If I just listen to my emotions or feelings, I might be like, oh, I don't want to do this right now. I don't feel excited. I don't feel inspired. So I've disciplined myself in that way. If you say, oh, Josh goes and writes, I understand that I need to, or I should, or I should go focus on this thing, whether or not I'm excited about it. Mm -hmm. It's almost always the case when I do that, that the excitement comes. Because once you put work and effort into something, then... It comes just like with our podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah. I do believe that's where it maybe comes from. For me, but That's just discipline. Like anybody can kind of learn that or think about that logically and because I want to do this as a career. I've had to take that more seriously.
0: Right. Yeah. And that makes sense. Yeah, you don't have
1: to. You could just write whenever you're feeling inspired yeah. because it's not I think your- it's hard.
0: It's also like if you make it a hobby, then there's no pressure. And maybe you need some pressure even just to get started, right? Like, or even to just be like, I don't have a choice. I have to do this. And then you get inspired while you're doing it as opposed to- if it's a hobby, it's like, Oh, I have other work to do. I have other stuff to do. It's never a priority. Right. So that can be, that can be a, yeah. a downside of it being kind of a hobby or a side thing, a side gig.
1: Well, as we get older, I started to realize that anything I do for fun now, if it isn't contributing to what, like my career or something in life, yeah, I feel a little guilty. Like I love right. playing video games, Yeah, I like watching shows. And suddenly I'm sitting there for a couple hours playing a video game and going, yeah, I should be doing something else right now right Right. I should be doing something this is a waste of my time am I Mm -hmm. progressing my career right now right if you're not doing writing as a career Mm -hmm. that's maybe how it sometimes feels like if yeah you can tell me
0: yeah I, I think it's hard like when there are things that I have to do it's hard to sit down at the computer where I have to be all the time anyways and write for fun when it's like I have other like I have an essay to write why don't I do that yeah
1: which is still writing, we should mention.
0: Still, oh yeah. So well, we were talking about types of writing, I mean, you've also written nonfiction, you've written essays before, right?
1: So I had a, was it a teacher back in, or was a professor back in undergrad? Mm -hmm. Everybody here knows that I have a degree in developmental cognitive neuroscience, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, That's my main degree, my honors degree. But I also did a It's not a minor because I couldn't fit a minor in with an honors. You can do a Mm -hmm. minor and a major, but I couldn't do a minor and an honors. So I had to do something called a certificate, which is kind of less than a minor. And it was a certificate in writing. Mm -hmm. So I took a whole bunch of writing classes throughout my undergrad. And one of those writing classes was creative nonfiction.
0: Creative nonfiction. That's already different, but okay.
1: Yeah, well, it was called creative nonfiction, but still nonfiction, right? And I remember thinking, ugh, I'm going to hate this. I like telling stories and making Mm. stuff up. And I don't want to like write nonfiction. You felt like that would limit. Yeah, I thought that would limit me. That was one of the most useful writing classes I've ever taken in my life.
0: Oh, very cool.
1: Yeah, it taught me to dive into my own experiences and find the stories in there, Mm. which you do in any writing, I think. I think that's one of the things any writer does. Cool,
0: creative
1: nonfiction. So I have written... Yeah, I have written creative nonfiction in that regard, which means kind of, again, finding the stories in your own experiences and telling those stories, hopefully accurately, but also in a creative sense. It's not a list of what happened. Mm-hmm. It's telling it as a story that somebody else would enjoy reading mm-hmm. and finding the arc because you know, a good story has that beginning, middle, end, and we'll probably dive into right structure. But
0: not all writing has to have a story either, right? Like some writing can be proving a point or or like suggesting an idea, making a point. Other
1: types of writing. Yeah. That's the type of writing I like. I mean, yeah. You
0: the type you like is with stories.
1: I yeah. yeah. Like I said, I'm a storyteller. So okay. that's my type of writing. It's not is that not just your type?
0: No, I mean I enjoyed. Do you
1: love writing essays.
0: Um, <laughs> I like aspects of it. I like collecting people's ideas and thinking. Okay, this is what's
1: collecting data. What it's been
0: like not really data. I mean, when you're writing like about novels or about. I mean, my thesis is a work of nonfiction. The article that I had published is a work of nonfiction. Technically, I mean, I'm making an argument for something. I mean, it, it wasn't my favorite kind of writing. I still prefer writing mm. fiction, but I've I've written way more nonfiction if you look at it like that. That's all I wrote in my graduate degree.
1: Is it kind of like pizza? Like even bad pizza is good pizza. Like I guess so. Even writing you don't really want to do is still writing and it's kind of better than not writing.
0: Yeah. Although you have to be careful with like every word, like there's a big difference in the feeling that you have while you're writing and the feeling you have while you're writing fiction versus nonfiction. Nonfiction, it's like I feel like everything that I'm about to say, I have to fact check or I have to like have a source. If I'm going to say this, I should mention other sources where people can find similar things that I'm not mentioning here, but that are important. Right. So it's a very different kind of thinking. But I do, I enjoy that too. I like collecting a bunch of books and, learning about something and then putting that into a
1: little essay and then I feel like okay do you like the research aspect of it
0: yeah that's my favorite part
1: because there is a research aspect actually in
0: for sure even in
1: fiction to be honest well I'm on
0: the research aspect of of what I'm kind of writing right now so yeah there you go I read a whole book but I get sometimes I get really distracted so I was like I mean, without going too much into it, but like one of my characters is supposed to have like a family cult background. Uh-huh. And so I kind of looked into like the psychology of cults. And like, there was this memoir by a girl who was part of uh, one of the Church of Latter-day Saints. Mormon. It was one of the more extreme Mormon groups. Mm. So there was this book called Breaking Free.
1: Not Breaking Bad.
0: Not Breaking Bad. Uh and it's by Rachel Jeffs. So she's the daughter of Warren Jeffs, who is part of like the FLDS cult, if you've heard of that. So I haven't. It's really interesting because you really, I mean, you get a first person perspective growing up with that cult mentality. And I mean, that's still an active cult. So yeah, but it's interesting. If you're interested in like that kind of thing, yeah, Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, that's what. And they're super crazy. So it's just so interesting. And I was like, bookmarking things that I was like, oh, I would include this in my character and this. And it's, I mean, that's a kind of research or like researching the psychology of it or the different. So yeah, there is research still involved in works of fiction.
1: Yeah. And that's a lot of fun for a lot of people. I mean, some people don't like it, but I know I love like my writing partner here, Jacob Tannenbaum, who I've brought up a number of times now. Yeah. Not only, I mean, he's so good at this. And it's mm-hmm. one of the reasons I love working at him. He's, at
0: writing or at researching? He's
1: good at writing too, but I mean, he's great at writing. He's a bit writer, but I mean, yeah. he's great at researching. Okay. Yeah. That's like a thing like I, I like writing mm. with him because I feel like I'm not as I like researching but I'm not as intricate about it as he is mm. like he loves looking into every little detail and it takes up time obviously to do this you're writing along you write three words and go desk what kind of desks should this be this is taking mm. place in the 1700s I wonder what kind of desks they were using I would just write desk and let, like production design or whatever, like figure it out down the line. Yeah. But he's going to look up the exact type of desk and the type of wood.
0: Oh, that's cool. I you don't know, know that I have that kind of patience. I'm more interested. Yeah. But that's, that's awesome to have someone like that. I mean, that's one of the perks of collaboration, yes, right? But
1: it's not just that he's looking up that thing. It's where that leads, right? he, might look up if you have this sort of desk, then you had this amount of money. And what does that right.
0: mean? Right. It's more than just the desk. It actually, like- and then
1: it leads in like a maybe these types of desks had little secret compartments. And then it gives him some sort of idea mm. to how to use that thing moving forward.
0: That's cool.
1: You know, that had disadvantages and disadvantages, right? One of the advantages is. That you can... I
0: guess it can slow you down, is that...
1: Well, that too, but you can use that research, obviously, to propel you forward, but sometimes it can also limit you, in my opinion, especially if you're writing a screenplay. Mm. If you write something that depends on something so small, Mm. then... Everyone has to, you know, screenplays are not just for you, they're for when you're making the movie. Right. So, Oh, if
0: you specify too much, it's harder for like props. Okay, well, that's later on. Actually, you know what? No,
1: not just that. But if you make it so specific early on, Hmm. then your whole story might hinge on this thing. Right. And you're not able to kind of change certain things moving forward especially if you're still trying to like figure out where things are going later on. Mm. But overall it's a great thing mm. to be that type of person I think and to research. Obviously you don't want things to slow you down too much. You want to get a draft out first and we can talk about that like yeah. well, let's talk about right now like
0: okay yeah.
1: Getting out a first draft of something. Mm-hmm. What do you do?
0: I think you're asking the wrong person because I, I don't know how many first drafts of anything I have. I mean, I know what I should do, which is probably less self-editing while writing because like often mm. I'll go back and edit as I'm writing. It's like, it's hard to progress when you're doing that. And sometimes it's yeah. easier to see everything as a whole and edit afterwards. Once you actually have something, yeah. it's like having like a rough slab of, of rock before carving it into something better, like helps if you have the rock first, right?
1: Like you can't edit a blank page.
0: Yeah. I could try, <laughs>
1: but it's good to have something on your page. Right. So just the idea that yeah. what most people say is get something on the page, just get mm. it out, write something bad first. It's okay. If it's bad, as long as there's something there, you can then manipulate like clay. Yeah. But if you don't have the clay, then how do you do it? So mm. that's hard, of course. Moving on to the next page when you're not happy with the page you've written before. Yeah, yeah. I struggle with that. We all struggle with that. All writers do, I think. But that's been some of the discipline to know or realize when you should move on. Right. In that first draft. Question. Yeah.
0: Do you use an outline when you write? Because you made me write an outline. Yeah. You didn't make me, <laughs> but you. When at one point uh, you were my accountability buddy.
1: Accountability buddy.
0: Accountability buddy. And my first task was actually to have a plot outline, which I was surprised to get from you because I you don't think see I'm like you a as, planning
1: type of person. I
0: don't see you as a planning type of person. I see myself as a planning type of person. And yet I was like, I don't want to plot out this entire thing. Like that's, that's terrifying, but yeah. <laughs> so do you do that with your own stuff or was that just like an assignment for me as, <laughs> m- you, as my accountability buddy?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so That is some of the discipline that I've picked up over time, right? When I initially started out writing and dove into it, like in a way that I loved, I just wrote. Mm -hmm. I think like a lot of people do just, just, you just want to jump into it. You don't want to do anything that stops you from writing. Yeah. But as I became more disciplined about it, as I decided to take it more seriously as a career and also realizing, you know, what was actually the most efficient way to get my work done Mm. so I don't get like stuck partway down the line. Yeah. I almost always write some sort of outline now. There have been projects in the past where I kind of just jumped in. Mm. It depends. There's different types of outlines, right? I tend to, at the very least, I have like a note section on my phone where I just start writing out all the plot points, the structure of the story.
0: Oh, you don't do like an Excel sheet the way I did all crazy. I
1: definitely don't use any Excel sheets. That's Excel (laughs) is for you. Did you
0: like my plot outline though? Wasn't it nice and intense with all of its like.
1: (laughs) It was. What has it led to now?
0: Uh, nothing. So, um, (laughs) next question, uh,
1: (laughs) I have very ugly, uh, outlines sometimes, (laughs) but they lead to things. So I don't know. I just want to (laughs) say,
0: I see how it is. Well, and I mean, like the outline itself can also be scary. And I, when I was looking for things to kind of help me out, like, Oh, where do I even start? I fell down a bit of a rabbit hole of narrative beats, which I'm sure you've heard of, or like story structure or- We were
1: just talking last week about a beat board.
0: A beat board, yeah. And it's not like- It's not
1: not like like a beat boxing.
0: boxing. (laughs) A beat board, a beat box. It sounds very similar. I think that's an understandable- So a beat
1: board is one type of outline, right? There's many different types of outlines you can do ahead of time. Whatever helps you.
0: Well, that's like a visual type, right?
1: I mean, it's visual, but it's also, I mean, you're writing on it. It's, Mm. it's a visual kind of structure of your writing, but you still within each of these boxes that you visualize and put in order, you write your scenes. I mean, you write your outline for each scene, Mm. your points, and then you because of the way a beatboard is structured, you can move the boxes around and
0: yeah, know, I like that.
1: You can color them different colors. So you see different people's storylines. Cool. I actually never did this myself. This is something that I learned in my group that we're working on the TV show mm. um, that I told you about before. Right.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean, well, what of the other things I was just curious about, because there are, there's a lot of like research, there's lots of books about like what story structures have been kind of pervasive in film and literature and, and everything. And like one of the ones that comes up all the time is the hero's journey. Hero's or the, journey. Or the monomyth, as it's also called. You know, there's a huge influence, for example, on the Star Wars films. I mean, even uh, what's his face? George Lucas, like said, so he's, you know, I read Joseph Campbell's uh, Man with a Thousand Faces and that's uh, whatever he said. And
1: have you read all this?
0: Have I? No, yeah. no I've, I skimmed a bit of the Man of Th- I'm not that into
1: See, I haven't even read all this. <laughs>
0: No, but I mean, I like, know about it? Yeah, you don't. I've
1: read the Cliff Notes.
0: Exactly. Yeah, you, that's all you need. You don't need to read it, I don't think. So I was kind of getting a little bit into that, and then I found um, something called the Heroin's Journey, which, depending on who you're looking at, it can be different. It's all
1: about the journey of the drug heroin through your body.
0: Exactly. So it yeah. tracks the, um, no pun intended, there. It <laughs> tracks the the journey that heroin takes from the injection site in through whatever <laughs> it goes through. No. God damn it, Josh! It's not necessarily like a women's version of the story, but it's kind of a counterpoint to the the hero's journey, which is all about like isolation and you know strength in isolation. It's this one man going on his journey, or one woman. I mean, it could be a woman too. But
1: I mean, the heroine's journey should be, isn't it, the woman?
0: Not necessarily. So it can be. It's what? just yeah, no. So it's okay. It's not necessarily a woman. It's just like it's just a different kind of journey, and like the. I have a quote if you want, but it's just...
1: Wait, a man can go on the heroine's journey?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's more Isn't just it? like, yeah. So the book I'm referencing here is Gail Carriger's The Heroine's Journey. Okay. It's more the beats of the narrative and whether or not strength is seen in isolation or strength in collaboration. So for example, this author argues that Harry Potter is a heroine's journey, even though he's... Like you can be male or female identified. It doesn't matter.
1: Is it really about the male or female or feminine traits that she's talking about in a hero? Why would she call it the heroine's journey then?
0: She Part of it is like, I mean- It is generally considered more of a feminine trait to be more collaborative and to be more.
1: Right. So it's more about the trait. So it's
0: more about that trait, uh, which is traditionally considered more feminine. But I mean, this is a really interesting book if anyone's interested, because she also talks about like the, what some of the issues of having the hero's journey be like idealized in a way in our society Mm -hmm. and having, you know, men feel that they need to be on their own like yeah. asking for help is weakness and so
1: just to be yeah. clear the hero's yeah. journey involves right somebody oh yeah i
0: didn't even leave. explain what the hero's journey is i just skipped it's right like leaving that. home
1: yeah. and then coming well you can yeah
0: carry. there's like Well, you can say, I mean, there's like this three, so the hero's journey, the monomyth, it's got like the three big things. It's like, so there's like a bunch of steps, but there's also kind of the general outline. But the three essential stages are the departure. So the hero leaves the familiar world behind.
1: Luke Skywalker leaves his home planet.
0: Exactly. The initiation. So the hero learns to navigate the unfamiliar world.
1: Luke Skywalker does that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And lastly, the return. So the hero returns to the familiar
1: world. Skywalker comes back. Good job. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah, and it's followed in a lot of different epic hero books like the Odyssey and all of those kinds of things are usually like same idea. Star Wars. Anyways. Do you find those useful? Like, do you use any kind of plot outline in your, like any kind of traditional story structures or anything? Are you just like, I'm just going to see what story I want. And, you know, maybe it's implicit in there. Like maybe you already kind of have absorbed all of that stuff from pop culture. and don't really need to explicitly sit and be like the descent, the (laughs) unfamiliar world. That's kind of a
1: good way of putting that. I think a lot of us have absorbed that. So I think anybody can go write a story right now and kind of, you know, be in touch with these yeah. outlines.
0: They'll probably inadvertently follow the hero's journey.
1: Exactly, a lot of people inadvertently follow it because that's just kind of, it's a very satisfying journey to have your, mm. your characters go on. I never read the book, you know, like the hero's journey. I know about it, I understand the general idea about it. Yeah. I used to think I could just, you know, make a general outline of my own, of beginning, middle, end, where I want the characters to be. And that was fine. And then I took this class in grad school. And for those just tuning in for the first time, I have a master's degree in film and television production from USC School of Cinematic Arts in Los Angeles. That's why I'm here now. Well, that's I mean, I did it now. I still live here. (laughs) But, you know, I went to film school and I took a lot of film classes and that included screenwriting classes. And one of these classes was called script analysis, which had the most boring name ever, right?
0: I don't know. It sounds interesting to me. Maybe
1: it sounds interesting to you. I was like, ugh, script analysis. Like, no. this sounds irritating. want you're a go-
0: movie maker. You're a filmmaker. You want something exciting. You're like, yeah, I want to learn about movies. explosions. I don't want to learn about script analysis. Exactly.
1: I want to learn how to shoot an entire scene in one shot. Yeah. I want to do cool stuff. I don't want script analysis. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right. I had this professor named Irving Belitesh. I heard he was pretty good. I was like, maybe this will be okay. We'll see. What we did every single class was we'd watch a movie. We'd start out by watching Mean Girls, for example. I love Mean Girls. Or The Matrix.
0: I love The Matrix. Too. Those are great movies. Okay. We
1: watched popular movies and it was a lot of fun. Of course, if we just watched the movies, i would be like, this is not a good use of my money.
0: Yeah, I was wondering about that. Yeah, okay. Like <laughs> <laughs> I could do this at home for free. <laughs>
1: So what the professor believed was a lot of people think that you should read and watch bad stuff to learn what not to do. Mm. He believed you should watch the best stuff to learn what you should do.
0: Yeah. I think that's a pretty
1: common. Yeah. I think the idea here is because a lot of people hear that there might be some, oh, there's rules to how I'm going to write. I don't want to follow any rules. That's stupid. Right. It's not that it's rules. It is. I think what he said is it's form over formula. Mm. You want to learn.
0: Oh, that's cool.
1: If you see that all these movies were really successful, you can study what worked and kind of see are there some patterns here? Mm-hmm. Are there some things that all these successful stories have in common? It's not that there's a rule of how to do something, but why are all these movies the most successful? Mm-hmm. Is there something that they all do mm-hmm. or most of them do? And can we kind of try to figure out what that is? And he came up with something called the eight sequence structure. And ever since then, I, kind of have been using this.
0: Interesting.
1: Now, do I use it exactly every single time? No, but at the very least, I keep it in mind.
0: I can't believe this is the first time you're telling me about this. What have you been keeping the secret for however many years? I've never
1: told you about the eight sequence structure.
0: I hate you so much right now. I can't believe you sure. this is the first time. Yeah. Okay. Continue. I'm talking about the hero's journey. He's got some secret eight sequence structure. Okay. Go so on.
1: here are the kind of eight parts of that sequence. I'll just tell okay. you, right? It starts with the teaser, mm. right? It's to suck you in the opening presentation, right? It's got that puzzle, the question. And then two, the status quo. You gotta set up who, what, where, when, tell you about the protagonist before the story begins, his or her life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then three is the point of attack. I see, are you taking notes? No. Are you taking notes? Welcome <laughs> to my lecture.
0: I'm a hundred percent taking notes. Yeah point of attack okay i mean i'll google it later and i'm sure it's somewhere but i also just i can
1: always just like send you some stuff after
0: yes please okay yeah you just do that send me stuff after i got really into like i'm learning now we
1: notes. Bring class right now guys what's what a nerd
0: yeah we should do that next time that should be what this podcast becomes we each just give each other a
1: lecture <laughs> okay so three is i'll we'll just go with it three is point of attack right so that's okay. the interruption in the status quo Something that introduces instability. And that could be anything. It could be an event, a person, a thought, a bong hit, anything.
0: Did you write a bong hit in there?
1: <laughs> I, I might have. Oh, okay. <laughs> so by the way, you've also heard that, you know, stories can be divided into acts, right? People have talked about the three-act structure, the five-act structure. The 3 So maybe around here is kind of leading into act two mm. after the point of attack. Because you have, I think the end of act one is, this next part is the debate. Mm. So the protagonist has to grapple with the point of attack that destabilizing element, even if the character doesn't know it, the audience does. And this is powerful because the audience is taken through the decision making journey. And we're with the character and we're engaged. And then five is the lock in That's setting up the main tension. And it's not necessarily part of the point of attack. And this is where the protagonist kind of commits to or forced into like, okay, now they're on this journey, they're locked in, you know, the debate was kind of Am I going to do this? Am I going to stay? Or am I going to go?
0: There's a lot of similarities with the hero's journey or the heroine's yeah. journey, by the way. Like there's a lot of overlap between any kind of story structures, I guess.
1: Yeah. So you can see the debate maybe is, let's look at the Matrix, for example, right? You have that little teaser at the beginning, everybody remembers. You have the status quo, Neo kind of in his world. And then you have the point of attack. What's that destabilizing element? I don't know if you remember. He gets like the when, phone call, there's some when he weird gets stuff like the visit
0: from the people and the, the rabbit tattoo.
1: Exactly. There's some destabilizing oh the white
0: rabbit or whatever. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. And then there's kind of a debate, you know, they grapple with that, which is basically well, is that
0: the red pill, blue the pill? The red thing? pill
1: or the blue pill, right? Yeah. There's a literal like debate right in that movie. Mm-hmm. Do I stay or do I go? Yeah. And then he chooses one. And now he's locked in. Right. That's the lock-in. Now he's committed to discovering what the Matrix is. And Do
0: it for Mean Girls.
1: I do have it for Mean Girls, actually. <laughs>
0: do it for Mean Girls. I'd rather, because Matrix is easy. Mean Girls seems.
1: That's only number five. So. Okay,
0: fine, fine. Oh, okay. Then you have number six. Okay, 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 okay,
1: fine. Number six. I know this is exciting stuff for you.
0: No, it is. I actually really <laughs> like
1: it. Number six is the journey into the new world. Mm-hmm. So that's the, you know, the attempt to achieve. Or the
0: descent. This is, yeah, it's Ooh, like descent it's descent. In the descent. Well, in yeah. the other story structures. Okay. Yeah.
1: And that's an attempt to achieve the main goal. So, like, mm-hmm. attempt, fail, repeat, and you face obstacles. Then you have your resolution where mm-hmm. the main tension is resolved. I'm not going to spoil all these movies for you, but yeah. <laughs> and these are always kind of made up of two elements one, achieving or failing the main goal, and two, where the character got his or her need or not, mm-hmm. the emotional catharsis, why people came to see your story in the first place. Mm-hmm. And then your eighth sequence. Sorry, the eighth part is the new status quo. Oh, right. So if I asked you what it is for Mean Girls, do you think maybe you could figure out, like, what's the teaser? Teaser. That's kind of before the first sequence. I don't know. I need to rewatch Mean Girls. It's okay. We don't have to remember. But you can, of course, you have your status quo for Katie, right?
0: Right. Okay. So she, yeah, she comes in and- She's
1: never been to school before. That's her problem, right?
0: Right, yeah.
1: You also got to figure out the want and need, right? What is her want? Her want is Mm -hmm. to fit in. Mm
0: -hmm. To have friends. But
1: what's her need? Her need. Yeah. I don't know. A very important thing in a story to figure out is what is your character's want and what is their need. The want is a thing they set up that they think they want in the first place. And the need is what to be accepted. Well, her need is actually to be herself.
0: Oh, not what she thinks she needs, what she actually exactly. needs.
1: Exactly. Exactly. That's her oh, that's actually... so
0: intru- oh, okay. She actually needs to be herself. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Look at that. Okay.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And then what do we have? Our point of attack is Regina, the mean girl, right? Mm-hmm. Asked her to sit with the plastics Mm -hmm. if you recall i do and then you have the debate which is whether to sit down with the plastics right does she stay or does she go does she go into that world or not and then we have this unexpected lock-in
0: which is you
1: remember that line okay let's rock this bitch scene where she goes through you know the agenda
0: where they're planning they've got like a plot to to take down the plastics is that that's the lock-in when she's with like the artsy, her friends, her like real friends.
1: Yeah. And the third sequence is your new world, girl world. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got your different like goals and obstacles that start coming up. Is
0: it easier to look at things and do this retroactively? Like it's easier to look at something that's already done and to be like, oh, okay, this is how they use the hero's journey. This is how they use the eight sequence thing.
1: Well, it's good. That's kind of important. That's the whole thing. You want to look at how this thing was done to then help you right
0: to help you but you can't it's not always as simple as being like oh what's the lock-in i mean like i guess it gives you a it sense can be, of what it can give do. you a okay. real
1: sense because you can do that with your story and of course once you know the rules and you can break the rules kind of a thing right mm-hmm. if you know what this kind of typical structure is you can choose not to do it and there is actually something in me girls that's a little bit different we can get to mm-hmm. but okay. one thing i want right. to point out i'll skip a couple of things here but there's something that's really cool that i learned called the midpoint reversal you heard of this mm-hmm.
0: Mm -hmm, but I don't know what it is. So
1: it's the idea that whatever happens kind of emotionally at the midpoint is the opposite of what you'll see happen at the end of the movie. Okay. And knowing this has actually ruined some movies for me. Uh, Like I won't say which one, but there's this football movie that I watched where midway through the movie, mm -hmm. the team won like huge. Mm -hmm. They won big. You know, usually what happens in like a sports movie is, this is the point where they lose, 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 right? So they won big and I was like, oh crap. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. this is like you kind of know at the very end of the movie like they're actually going to lose
0: right what movie was
1: that am i going to say because i don't want to spoil it for anybody alert. who okay, although this will spoil a lot of movies for you now if you keep this in mind oh. so the midpoint reversal here is kind of very sophisticated actually it's not about katie taking down regina it's about her becoming regina right right she becomes a mean girl herself mm-hmm. so that's actually a little more interesting again you can play with what that means in your in your script and now there's like a different type of tension. Like, will Regina be able to bring down Katie?
0: Mm.
1: <laughs> like it's now the other, like things are kind of flipped in this. And also, by the way, there's a storytelling device we can talk to. We have all these storytelling devices. One of them is the Faustian bargain. You've heard of that? Mm.
0: I know that in Faust, he makes a bargain with the devil.
1: Yeah, so like the main character willing to give up anything to get what they want. Mm. So what makes this one stand out is that Regina becomes the outcast, right? And the other character are right. a reflection of the protagonist. And, you know, you got your lowest point, is that she's failed completely and ends up in the stall again. <laughs> but then, of course, in our seventh sequence, we actually have what we call a new hope. and
0: The Star Wars movie? Or?
1: No, we're talking about Mean Girls. I know. Mean I'm Girls. so sorry. I know. <laughs> she becomes a mathlete, if you recall. Mm-hmm. And you have your eight sequence, right? And that's your new status quo. Now life is better. No cliques. Just human. Nice. So that was a really quick run through of Mean Girls in this eight sequence structure.
0: I mean, maybe you think it was quick.
1: Okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry.
0: no that was super interesting and thank you for that i was trying to inject some
1: comedy <laughs> um yeah so anyways, i do actually use this generally moving oh. forward i like to figure out what's my point of attack yeah what is my debate what is the status quo where it often gets the most difficult in writing is that second act hmm. once you dive into the new world what are the obstacles right how do you keep the story going in the new world that to me is always the most challenging hmm. part of writing interesting I always find it it's easier to write like the first 20 pages of your script and then it gets huh. and it gets difficult.
0: That's so cool. So so you do use a story structure. I'm actually kind of surprised. I thought you were I kind of felt like you were gonna be like, you know, I just write it and sometimes afterwards I notice something but yeah, that's an interesting surprise.
1: It depends. I don't perfectly make the structure for everything that I do. No,
0: but you don't need to.
1: Especially if it's like a short film. I'll just do a little outline in my on my phone Yeah, make sure I have all my points beginning, middle end. What people don't realize even if it's a short story or a short script, that structure is still part of that. I think a lot of people make this mistake. They think that something really short doesn't need to tell a full story. Mm. And really, it's just that the scope is smaller. Maybe the stakes are a little lower, mm. but it still has to beginning, middle end. And I get really frustrated when I you know, read shorts or I see short films where they make these stakes huge. Like there's some sort of setup where it's like, oh my God, what's going to happen? And they can't possibly wrap that up in five minutes. Mm. And then it just ends with, really just feels like the beginning of a movie or the end with that classic, ooh, it's ambiguous. I wonder what's going to happen. Yeah, But they just didn't finish writing their story. I tend to write my story as long as it needs to be. If that means it's five minutes, cool. If that means it's 18 minutes, then it's 18 minutes. If I don't want it to be longer, I shouldn't come up with a story that has a scope that large.
0: I think it's supposed to be harder to write a short story or a short film than a full length because it is in a way, I mean, in some ways it's harder because you have to really condense
1: Mm, not necessarily
0: or not necessarily condense something, but like you need to lead a reader through all of these feelings
1: in a a shorter amount of time, Yeah,
0: shorter amount of time,
1: but not some things might be harder. Some things are easier, right? I don't actually find it harder. I think the real challenge is coming up with a concept and story in the first place that can be told in that length of time. Mm. I think a lot of people make the mistake of, you know, okay. And then she kills him. And now the whole fate of the world is at stake. And that's at minute three, Mm. (laughs) you know, it's like, how are you going to tell a five minute story out of this? So they rush or they don't actually conclude the story. Tell a story that can be concluded in that time. Right. And you're good. Huh. Okay. You have an outline that you use?
0: Well, I I don't think I've written enough, but I, I mean, when I had that plot outline, I started out following hero's journey, but with my own kind of like variations. And then I found this this heroine's journey and I started reading that. And then I kind of, I put both of them next to each other and I kind of had like options based on the story that like, which one I would kind of pick. So,
1: you know what they're going to call that in the future? Dr. Ishai twist.
0: Sure, I'm good with that. That Yeah, I think I have to write something first. You got to
1: write the book on that. So that's like, I think I have to write
0: a note. How about I just try to write something? Because I think I still owe you chapter one. You do from like six months ago.
1: This is the whole purpose of us doing this podcast now. You need to finish your fucking book. But, Aya,
0: (laughs) well, maybe if I wasn't podcasting all the time. No,
1: no, the irony is we often procrastinate. I call it productive procrastination. We procrastinate by doing something else. Yeah, that's still useful instead of the thing we set out to do. So it'd be funny if you actually went and wrote a book on writing and actually completed writing a book on writing. I would be
0: annoyed if I did that because it's like (laughs) you can't write a book on writing before you've written enough. Like I have no credentials for that. Like I think that's silly. Like when I read a book on writing by someone who hasn't written anything, I'm like, why would I listen to you? (laughs) You know, like unless you've studied it, like I mean, if they've studied it or something, that's different. But like you know, there are books on writing that I'm like, I don't like the stuff that you've written. Why would I listen to you?
1: You know, <laughs> well, then you better get your novel done.
0: I know. I'm in school and I'm teaching. Excuses, excuses, always excuses.
1: Excuses. Yeah. Look, I think I matter. need to sleep
0: less. I, I wish I didn't have to sleep so much. Yeah.
1: It's true. You're going to have to sacrifice something usually. I don't know no. what it is, but you know, you have to cycle in if you really want to do something. You have to replace whatever you were doing in some part of your day. You can try to be more efficient, but even then you're replacing maybe your time alone and your time to relax and recover. Something has to get replaced, Yeah. whether it's sleep, whether it's dedication to some school or work or family. That's kind of a, these family. sacrifices.
0: Let's cut that out. <laughs> it's not really, out. it doesn't feel like much of a sacrifice. Joking Teddy any family oh, listening to this. Joking. Love you so much.
1: <laughs> that is kind of the struggle sometimes is what to sacrifice in order to follow. Yeah. We only do have a limited amount of time in our day.
0: We do. It's true. So I know that you went on a writing retreat recently mm. and that's kind of like outside of the world. It's just us. We paid for this. We better write. So you kind of like a high pressure environment in a way.
1: Yeah, actually. So I brought this up before, right? I said, I'm writing a TV show. Mm -hmm. So the TV show is currently titled Black Sheep. (laughs) This is notable because Once Upon a Time was actually called Unorthodox. There's a
0: good show by that name.
1: (sighs) Yeah. Then that show came out. I'm sorry. And we had to change our name. Yeah. And so we changed it to Miracle Mile, which is actually like, I don't know, people know this. Miracle Mile is like a place in Los Angeles and some other Mm -hmm. places. I hate that title. I hated it so much. It made it seem to me like a Christmas hospital drama or something.
0: I like Black Sheep better if that's, yeah, yeah, it does kind of sound, it, it sounds like it should be a Christmas movie. By the way, Black Sheep is a metric song.
1: Okay, cool. It's a few different things that we like. We're happy about yeah. that.
0: Black Sheep of the Family. It's also
1: a company that sells like pickled garlic or something.
0: I'm sorry, what? Pickled garlic? Yeah,
1: it's like a company. They sell pickled garlic and stuff.
0: Black Sheep? Oh. Yeah,
1: you can look it up. All right. I found it in the supermarket. There you go. Cool. It's also a movie from 1996 involving Chris Farley. It's
0: also sheep that aren't white, but black. <laughs> it's also a song, Baba ba, Black Sheep. Yes.
1: There's a bunch okay. of, there's a couple songs. Josh. We're never going to get through this. Stop
0: letting me interrupt you. Okay, <laughs> go.
1: So it's called Black Sheep and I'm much, much happier about this. We're all happier. We're all much more excited. That's good. So again, I have a group of four. It's me, my friend Jacob Tannenbaum, Tamar, and Ofer. I brought these people up before. Tamara is kind of by trade an actress, but she's gotten more into writing recently. Ofair is, he's actually a music producer and a musician, but he's also been, you know, getting into kind of producing writing as well. And he's the one who kind of brought us together to facilitate this group. And I'm kind of the, uh, I'm the showrunner Mm -hmm. because I kind of did the most work writing and I brought Jacob on to write with me. And if we ever get Jacob or one of them on sometime, I'd love to talk about that specifically more in depth, but that's just kind of the setup for our group and this TV show. And the TV show is about... Well, it actually takes place in the world of Orthodox Jews and the Russian mafia and this woman who's caught in between.
0: Mm. You know, unorthodox would have been a great title for it, it sounds like. I know. I'm so sorry.
1: (laughs) So this woman actually, she lives within the Orthodox Jewish community, but she's got a secret. She's not actually Jewish. She was formerly married to like this big Russian mobster and she sold him out to the FBI.
0: Good for her.
1: And so she had to go into witness protection. Mm. And she went into this very unique kind of witness protection where she ended up basically In the Orthodox Jewish community, and she's married to the rabbi's brother. So
0: they obviously think she's Jewish.
1: Yeah, everybody thinks she's Jewish. Oh,
0: interesting.
1: Then there's this whole thing with the rabbi. He's actually kind of corrupt. He's doing some bad things.
0: Josh, how are you representing your people? (sighs)
1: Okay, there's good Jews and there's bad Jews. I don't know what to tell you, all right? take takes place in this community. Anyways, her long-lost Russian sister. No spoilers. This is the setup. Her long-lost Russian sister finds her and discovers who she is and threatens to reveal who she is to her community and her family and her husband unless she does a little something for them. A little spying, maybe.
0: Blackmail. Blackmail, yeah. And of course,
1: like she's, you know, she's kind of a black sheep within her community. Every character is a black sheep in a certain way. So anyway, that's the setup for that show. So we've written four episodes out of a 10 episode season that we've outlined. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, we took some time off, especially, you know, during the pandemic, working on other things. You know, we tried to sell the show with what we had. We got close, didn't quite get there for a variety of reasons. We're like, screw it. We're just gonna keep writing this. We have a great story. Let's Mm -hmm. write the whole season. Maybe we can sell the whole season. I don't know. So we're like, let's do episode five. So Jacob and I are co-writing. We decide to go on another writer's retreat. This is the third time we've done this. Mm. We rent out an Airbnb up in like Lake Arrowhead. And we just spend a weekend basically writing. Previously, we did this for a feature film called Active Shooter, about a father who suspects his own son is a school shooter during an active school shooting. And we did this for another short story. And this time we did it for episode five of our TV show. And we wrote, it's supposed to be like 60 pages because it's like a minute a page basically. Okay. And so we were hoping to write 60 pages. We wrote 68.
0: (laughs) Wow. That's impressive. I don't
1: know if that's better. We obviously overwrote. But that's a
0: lot. That's a lot of pages. Like, yeah.
1: But we divided it up. We divided up our scenes from the beat board.
0: So you write separately? You wrote your own scenes? Or do you sit together and you're like, oh, what should they say now? They'll write this. Or is it a bit of both?
1: So it depends on the scene, you know, what we want to do that day. But basically what we did this time is we each took on half the scenes basically. Okay. And wrote that half. But we sat in like the same room. And if we ever had any questions, we just call out to each other and be like, I'm writing this scene. Yeah. What do you think of this? Does that make sense? Are we remembering this correctly? We stayed in touch. And those
0: interruptions don't upset you?
1: It's been fine. There were obviously funny moments where we're like in the middle of something. And it's like, what? Yeah. I just... I just want to know, would this character say this? It's like, I don't know, man. But you know, you wrote the last scene with that character. I get, fine, fine. I was in the middle of a sentence, but what, what? Right. (laughs) And we do it. But anyway, we got through the whole thing. It was a really great experience. And I should mention that prior to this, what really helped We're talking about outlining. The way we outlined it is we did a beat board, a visual beat board. And Tamar kind of led the beat board. She was in control of that, ordered everything, colored everything, made sure we knew all the storylines. So we had a map to work off of. But yeah, it very much helped us going to a different environment. And also the fact that we put money into it means we'd better finish this thing.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: We get distractions otherwise in our normal lives, in our homes.
0: Right. It kind of sets up a certain amount of accountability. It's like, why did I waste money on that if I didn't (laughs) do the thing that I paid to do? Yeah. Yeah, it's a smart idea. It helps
1: you really commit. Oh. It was so successful, so wildly successful that we're like, oh my God, we're doing this every month till we finish the season.
0: Right, yeah, makes sense. That's a great idea. Yeah. And you were there with the puppy.
1: Yeah. I'm my...
0: well, not a puppy, a, a dog, but.
1: Well, yeah, Jacob brought his dog and the dog's amazing. Yeah. Her name's Saweetie. Oh.
0: I remember you going also to like 24 hour like internet cafes or like places where, or cafes in general. So do you like a busy environment? Because to <laughs> me, that seems like very counterproductive. But I mean, it's every person is kind of a little different, maybe. So
1: yeah, you're talking about environments and changing environment. I think it does help to just put yourself in a different environment that is meant in your mind for writing. Mm -hmm. So I would go to these like Korean coffee shops that were open 24 hours or really late. And yeah, I would go there and I would write either with a friend or you know, all night, especially if you just put yourself somewhere where you're dedicated to doing that, especially if you don't make it easy for yourself to leave. I remember mm-hmm. way back in undergrad, i would have to study for an exam and I'd have to read, you know, a textbook and highlight a bunch of stuff. It's so easy to get distracted. And I would always wait till like the last minute. That's how I am. And mm-hmm. so what I would do is I would go to Weldon Library. You remember Weldon, the big concrete building?
0: Yeah, you know, I still go to Western, right? Yes, I, I know where Weldon is.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. For me, it's like way back in the past few, it's every day. Well, I don't really go there but you know it's like a maze in there it's like many levels and you can get lost in there
0: okay if you don't know your way around I guess okay
1: well I guess I didn't know my way around so (laughs) that's a good thing for me because I would bury myself (laughs) deep in Weldon library and then I would start studying and writing and then like I want to go of course I'd be like oh I'm done I can't do this anymore and then I'd be like how do I get out of here
0: Oh my God.
1: (laughs) And then of course, just like, I might as well, uh, I might as well stay. Uh, And that just kind of speaks to our accessibility Mm -hmm. side of things. We like things to be accessible. So you want to make writing or your work in general, you want to make it the more accessible thing. Because it's always more accessible not to do work in most cases. Yeah. So that's what I think putting yourself in these environments and different environments is really good. I made writing the most accessible thing by going on this writer's retreat.
0: That that's more appealing to me than I mean the writer's retreat to me is appealing, but I can't I have a lot of needs. Like I need to not have to think about like for example, like setting at Weldon I found always I always got way less work done because I would be like, I have to go to the bathroom. Do I pack my stuff up? Or do I have someone with me who can watch my stuff? Or like, do I have to just trust that someone's like- I just took risks. Well, yeah. I mean risk taker. That's a possibility too. But then it's like, I hate their washrooms there. And then I'm like, do I go to the farther washroom? Why don't I just work from home where I have a washroom right next to me? Or like, I'm thirsty. Everything costs money. You have to go. I have too many physical needs i can't i can't just like or like too many <laughs> practical needs where i'm like this chair is really uncomfortable or that person smells people have all these different smells really bother me too like i, I can't handle all that so
1: weldon library isn't for you but like some place might no be. but
0: in general because like also setting up like if i set up somewhere else that isn't my home it means i'm on a laptop it means like i don't yeah. have as much space it means i don't have all the unlimited coffee and snacks that i want i'm hungry every yeah. two hours So, like, it's not convenient. I end up spending more money. And yeah, I am stuck in this place. But like, it's hard for me to get lost in something when there are things around me, if there are people around me.
1: Okay, so you prefer your home environment. You actually like I the isolated- I much my home environment. Yeah, so yeah. that works for you. And that's that's fine. People obviously can work in their home environment. Yeah,
0: I like my cat next to me.
1: I have, and I do work. If I only worked on writer's retreats, then I would never have gotten anything done, obviously.
0: Right, of course, yeah. It is easier to get distracted at home.
1: Yeah, like we wrote those four episodes over a number of years, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously there's a rev- and stuff this fifth episode we wrote now first draft in three days wow because we committed to this retreat right it's just about the efficiency of it all and the yeah. dedication it's kind of saying i'm going to go all out for these three days
0: well yeah i like that idea i could i mean i guess post-pandemic or whatever but like just renting out a little place, just me and my kitty, and we just yeah hang out there yeah. and, and write. And putting
1: money into it or something, so you know you have to. Yeah,
0: it's like I have
1: to. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool idea. I mean, I like it. I do recommend it, but again, everybody is different, and I would never tell somebody else mm-hmm. how they should. Well,
0: it's more suggestions. Everybody gets mm-hmm. to figure out what works for them.
1: Well, what is it? That, what keeps you from writing, Aya? What is the thing that? What do you find is the hardest thing to get going? Let's tackle this right now.
0: the hardest thing. It's just, it's work. And whenever I sit down, it's like, oh, I could do this thing or I could do that thing. Is this really important? Am I really going to write anything good? Probably not. I should probably prepare more. I should probably do this. I should probably do that. Oh, look what time it is. I have to do this other thing. Bye. (laughs) Like it's so easy to prioritize something else or like, I shouldn't be doing this right now. Like right now, what's stopping me is like, I have some marking to do. I have some French. I have to like, I have legitimate things that I have to do. And I'm like, if I'm going to be sitting at my computer, I should be doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing.
1: Right. So is it because it's not segmented in your mind as something you need to do? Probably. So for example, yeah, if you say "Ah, I could be doing this instead, then you haven't actually carved out a time for you to do it. No. If you actually say at this time, at this place, I'm going to be writing. That's what this is for. It will take priority over whatever else you need to do. Like, okay, I got to finish my marketing later because that's, I'm here to do this. Right. It actually is a priority because you dedicated the time and space for it. That's what the writing retreat kind of helped me do, at least. Right. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I should be doing my laundry. There's no laundry here. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I took myself here to purposefully not allow, you know, somebody else needs my help doing something. Sorry, I'm away.
0: Yeah. No, that's a good idea. I think that's, that seems pretty key. One last question. I feel like I've interviewed you this entire time.
1: It feels more like interviewing now. Are you really just trying to like, this is all just to help you finish writing your book, right?
0: I was looking for a little inspiration. I really do enjoy talking to you about writing. I guess like- I mean, I feel like we could talk about it for hours, but I don't know how much of it would be interesting to other people. So I'm trying to condense it into something that would be listenable for other people. But I think this
1: stuff is fascinating, obviously, personally, but it's- Of course,
0: yeah. But that's because it's what you do. Obviously,
1: I went into this as like a career and I take all these writing courses and I write a lot more. So there's probably more for me to kind of share in that regard. I'm
0: a little bit envious, by the way. I like part of me wishes I had gone down that route and just like committed.
1: That's okay. I'm envious of the fact that you can pay rent really easily. (laughs)
0: <laughs> right i mean there's pros and cons to each uh to each choice I mean, compared to most people my age or our age sorry i should say i i'm not like a person who easily pays rent like yeah. i'm still very like low on that totem pole but that's fine continue yeah.
1: so you're writing this culty story right
0: it's not a culty story it's more <laughs> Okay. Like it's not, I don't <laughs> have enough of it to like condense it into anything, but sure it, the backstory of the main character is a, of a cult in her family. That's her backstory.
1: By the way, I've noticed that for me, what really helps get me going is bouncing ideas, sharing and talking about the idea. And that gets me like excited.
0: Mm. Sometimes it takes out all my steam. Cause I'm like, I already explained it. I don't feel like writing enough.
1: It it's not just about explaining it. It's about once you start talking with somebody, you start sharing ideas back and forth. And You should absolutely steal as much from the people around you as you can when you talk about ideas. What? Yes.
0: Josh, what are you saying? So anything I tell you, so now uh, the next movie you have, oh yeah, the main character has a cults family backstory. What yeah you talking about? No, that's what not what I mean.
1: About? I mean, if I'm actually fishing for ideas, let's say you're talking yeah. to me and I come up with an idea for your character that you were kind of stuck at. Right. Use that. Yeah, take whatever you want from that. Oh, well, you're
0: giving it. I'm not stealing it. You're giving it. I just don't mean like, steal.
1: don't think that you have to come up with literally every part of it yourself. It doesn't. Right.
0: I, no, I understand that. You
1: can bounce ideas with other people. I think that's a great mm-hmm thing during writing and people who isolate themselves and just keep to themselves when you get stuck you get stuck it's hard to like move past that when I get stuck I just talk to somebody
0: I think getting stuck is when you ask for help yeah that makes sense yeah so
1: actually I do find having somebody around to write around if not with be really useful
0: I can't have anybody near me (laughs) because even the possibility that they might interrupt me oh is like a thing i need to know that nobody's gonna interrupt me i know it's i sound crazy you
1: get your headphones on you get like noise canceling i have
0: my headphones on i have like specific type of music playing like at least i mean that that was at least for like thesis writing but i mean it's kind of the same does
1: music help you write?
0: Oh, good question. I specific, I feel like we've probably mentioned this, but yeah, specifically instrumental mm. and like certain ones. So I have like specific playlists that are just called right. like writing 2020 or writing
1: 2021. You're like my friend Leopold, classical. Oh.
0: Sometimes classical, usually like it'll be kind of soft piano or like soundtracks. Sometimes it'll be a little more intense, kind of depends on my mood, but it's always instrumental. Any words, like totally, I can't listen to that. Really? Yeah.
1: I mean, I find I'll listen to stuff all kinds of stuff. And instead of finding music to help me write something specific, the music will often guide me.
0: The, exactly, yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I kind of like, I'll be in different moods, but I'll just be like, oh, I don't feel like listening to that song right now. Or I'll just be mm-hmm. like, whoa, this just took me into like, woo. and it kind of drives it. Yeah. So you also listen to music, is that?
1: I mean, I'm pretty sure I've had songs actually inspire ideas for short films mm-hmm. for me.
0: Cool.
1: Like I listened to a song and it gave me an idea. And then I made mm-hmm. a movie about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, music can be great.
0: Yeah. So one last question.
1: What's the last question?
0: Josh, do you have any writing advice for me and or our listeners? Just a little boop. like there's that classic, you know, uh-huh. show, don't tell. You kind of gave us one from your film teacher form over formula. Like- I thought I
1: was just giving you advice the whole time.
0: You actually have been, but I had this question right now. So I feel like I should ask you anyways. But if you could only give people one bit of writing advice, what would it be? Because you're a pretty prolific writer. I don't know if you're good or not, but at least you're prolific. That was
1: rude. You know what I'm going to say?
0: Yeah. What are you going to say?
1: As you may or may not know, I had a couple of scripts mm-hmm. that did really well
0: mm-hmm, yeah.
1: this past year. They've been were, winning,
0: like, you've been on lists and they were in winning competitions. Awards. Yeah. So yeah, like, competitions. That's it.
1: Yeah. So, the Academy Nickel Fellowships and Screenwriting Competition, that's kind of yeah. the biggest one in the world. It's the Academy. Mm-hmm. I had two scripts.
0: Like, they're the ones who give out Academy Awards.
1: It's Academy. Yeah. So, I had yeah. two scripts get placed in that. Usually if you place, that means you're a quarter finalist, 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 you know, mm-hmm, that's awesome. or stello for that one as a winner. So if you're just even a quarter finalist in these, that's considered, oh, cool, you've placed. Mm-hmm. I had two scripts place. One was a quarter finalist. That's the one I wrote with Jacob, Active Shooter, which we went to our writers retreat that initially, right? And again, being a quarter finalist in Nickel is huge. Yeah, People actually reach out to you when you're a quarter finalist. That's like top 350 out of over 8,000. Wow, And my other script, Impaled, A Love Story, was a semi-finalist, which that's like top 150.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. yeah.
1: So after that, the finalists are like top 10. Right. Yeah. People definitely were reaching out to me about that. So I had two scripts placed. Also, they placed in some other competitions. Impaled also placed as a finalist in script pipeline, which is a big one, an active shooter in Palooza. I think Impaled was also a semi-finalist at the Forest City Film Festival, which mm. we went to. So... It was Script Pipeline had me write a thing for their website. A the
0: thing, like a synopsis or something? No, like
1: a like a thing, like my origin story and my accolade.
0: Oh, like a bio.
1: Yeah. So at the bottom of it, it said, on being an artist. So what did I want to share?
0: Oh, okay. Let's hear it.
1: I'll share that with you. How
0: about you share that? That was a really long way of introducing that. Okay. <laughs> I
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so on being an artist. So there's three sort of things here that I wrote. Number one, finish what you start, Aya. two don't let anyone be a gatekeeper to your art you don't need permission and you don't need to reach some imaginary slash arbitrary level before you start creating just do it
0: oh that's great that's very good advice
1: and three get uncomfortable if you're waiting for that comfortable perfect moment it will never come
0: that's great advice
1: then it asked me what i was fueled by and i said my own mortality (laughs)
0: <laughs> i mean that's pretty accurate i one of the things you said to me in our first like conversations about writing was you're gonna die yeah don't you want to have finished this yeah and it's like jesus christ josh Wait, a few like really intense <laughs> speaking of jesus christ we should mention that we're recording this christmas eve oh it's christmas eve or it's christmas eve today so
1: merry christmas
0: happy jesus birthday happy jesus
1: day happy jesus to all yeah
0: yeah and um This has been another episode of Adulthood Friends. Thanks for joining us. If you liked this episode, please listen to all our other episodes. If you haven't already, we have lots there. They're just sitting there waiting for you to listen to them. Mm -hmm. And we've also got a Facebook page that you can follow and like. Please follow us on whatever your preferred listening platform, application or platform is. So we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, anywhere we're everywhere. That's about it. So thanks again and uh, hopefully Josh will just cut everything somewhere here and then it'll just be like music time. Music time. Music time.
1: You want me to end your suffering with the music right now?
0: Please. End my su- I'm not <laughs> suffering. I'm just worried you're going to be late for your fancy writer meeting.
1: Oh my god, I got to get to my writer's meeting.
0: Yeah, are you not realizing? Yeah, it's 2:52. You got to go.
1: Oh, I got to prepare. I got to prep and stuff. To go. The irony of us talking about writing when I actually have oh to get God. to a writing meeting yes, with
0: my you
1: group.
0: Do. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> that won't say it. Please cut that up.